I'm just sorry. I'm just sorry. <laughs> Newborn King. Today we continue celebrating a uh, baby changes everything, and we certainly recognize that, and we, we, we talk about that, we sing about that, we decorate to proclaim that. What a special day for us to be gathered together. A few days till Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Hope you're already planning to join us for one of our services. If you're worshiping online, we have some of those online as well. So glad you're here with us as well on this great Sunday before Christmas Day of worship. Sure, a couple things to kind of begin for, actually, actually officially begin the message, which is a, a gift of forgiveness, and so you know what's coming with, with that. Uh, my wife's been on a cruise the last few days, Rhonda. They're back today. I, I talked to her a few minutes ago, so they're in Houston, ready to come home. And today's actually our 41st wedding anniversary, if you didn't know that, so we're, we'll be planning something this evening today. <clears throat> my son told me a story that I've just got to tell you. Uh, when I talked to him a little while ago as well, because he's with them on the cruise. It's kind of a family cruise. They wanted KLTY, had room for four. Rhonda got invited, so she went to be a nanny, and, uh, which is what she is for, uh, for our family. So we celebrate that as well. Told me a story that uh, she was with our grandson Henry a number of times in what's called the kids area. If you've been, been on a cruise, it's an area that you put kids where you go have fun. That's kind of how cruises work, and that's what they did. And she was there with uh, our grandson, six-year-old Henry. And while there, uh, to be able to get out of that area, they have a security measure. That security measure is you have to press a button that's taller than the kids can reach. <laughs> now, some don't know my wife, some do. Rhonda's four, nine, and three quarters. She couldn't reach the button. So she couldn't get out of the kids' area with our son, you know. Uh, and, and, and she told me that, uh, and my son told me, and, and there was an Asian man there, but she didn't know his name, who reached the button for her so she could get out of the area there. And I think that we've we just been laughing all morning about that particular thing. She's not here, so I can tell that story. She's in transit from Houston to here today, and I'll see her later this evening. We think about Christmas, there's many things that we enjoy, certainly about the holiday, the music, the decorations, we love that. We set up two trees this year, a couple of nativity scenes are in our home, uh, packages under the tree, and some decorations outside, love every aspect of that, and uh, Rhonda went to an ugly sweater thing and wore her sweater with our daughter-in-law going somewhere, and that's kind of a Christmas tradition for many, so she did all those things. But you may not know really where our image of secular Christmas really comes from, you know, all the, the images that we enjoy, and I enjoy all of those images, so, so please, please know that. Most of it, though, comes from a poem written in 1823 uh, called Twas the Night Before Christmas, which wasn't the original name. The original name was, uh, was uh, A Visit from St. Nicholas. That's the real name of that poem, but we changed that to, to be the early part of the line, Twas the Night Before Christmas. And not a creature was stirring. You know, you know that. It had a massive, massive impact upon us the next 200 years or 150 years about what Christmas was about. And there is where the giving of gifts really was solidified, that kids got gifts and come down the, the chimney, happened there, and the, the pack on his back full of gifts came from that picture. Uh, and so really the idea of giving as a unique part of the holiday was really cemented in 1823 in the Northeast, where that has really consumed people, that wondrous idea. Stockings hung uh, by the fireplace and gifts put in there. And so giving became very central to the idea of the holiday itself, along with worship and, and, and celebration and, and, and the, the, the sacred traditions of Christmas as well came in, as well, in that season. Uh, reindeer came on the scene, eight of them, 
the names, you know, were there. We have nine today. Why? We added Rudolph years later. Montgomery Wards helped us do that with our commercial, and so Rudolph came on the scene. And I will say that I was driving a couple days ago down 287 coming home from a, a, what I was doing in Fort Worth, and, and I got in the left lane for a while. I had to pass some cars. Speed limit 70 miles an hour. I was going past 70, really get past those cars, so I try to stay 70 on 287 uh, for lots of reasons. Uh, but anyway, I do that, and I had this, this SUV tailgating me within just a few feet. seemed very impatient to me, and then I noticed who, they, who that SUV was. Uh, there, there were antlers on the side and a big red nose. It, 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 was, it was Rudolph was anxious to get Christmas going. So it was, a, it was a Rudolph SUV there, and I thought that was kind of ironic, but nonetheless that was happening. The story tells us, of course, that, that Santa Claus is fluffy. You know, that was kind of a new scene. Before that, Santa Claus was a really skinny Santa Claus, and, 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 and Santa Claus got fluffy there, uh, the, the, the belly and the... And the, and the, and the the, the, the red cheeks and, and all that. Uh, there was a pipe also in that particular one. We don't have that very much anymore, but that one had a pipe as well. Uh, and, and we have that story that really cements, and even the final words, and a happy Christmas unto all a good night, you know, and we say merry, but it means much the same thing. I, I love that part of Christmas. Who doesn't? But I want you to get the idea, giving, is, giving comes as a central part all the way through, whether it's a Santa Christmas, which we love. Uh, we had Santa Claus go with our, sil- to, with our silver angels to give gifts to elderly folks in our church who are often homebound or going through grief issues. And Santa did that for us. We thank you, Santa, for doing that, uh, helping us with that. But think about how a baby changes everything around this sense. Another song came along, and I love these kind of things, that, that came along some years later, 1934, uh, and that was Santa Claus is Coming to Town. And something changed in those two songs, 100, almost 100 years apart, and that was you're naughty or nice. If you're naughty, you don't get anything. If you're nice, you do. I guess somebody decided we got to keep these kids from acting up on Christmas Eve, so we're going to add this to Santa's story where if they're not good, whatever that is, to not be good, you won't get a gift. You know, and, the, and that's not the way it works, really, when it comes to our understanding of the baby Christ came into the world to save us, as, as the Bible says so beautifully, from our sins. The gift of forgiveness and what that means. And I'm going to tell you a story that Jesus told. Uh, he told stories often around the idea of what's called parables, which are really living understandable illustrations to communicate heavenly Jesus-taught truths. This is a truth central to Christian faith, to personal salvation that Christ gives us, and also to every Christian relationship and beyond Christian relationships. So please hear the story. Matthew chapter 18 is where it comes from, and it's about a king and one of his servants. Now, this king had many servants. I'll show that that text later. We can put, take that off right now. Yeah, I get that comes later. Uh, but there is a, uh, a king and his servants, and he comes to one of his servants who owes him, now you've got to hear this, 10,000 bags of gold. You know, and Jesus is doing this on purpose. He's trying to make this just so ridiculous and such w- wide understanding that we have to say, hey, this is, a, this is something when we, 10,000 bags of gold? Now, in that day, they would say, no one could pay that back. No one could ever pay back Caesar, not this Caesar, but the Caesar there in Bible days, 
Could not, I'm sure this teacher probably couldn't either, I'm guessing, right? You can't, okay. 10,000 bags of gold, that is a king's ransom. That is beyond, that boggles the mind how much the billions of dollars that that's worth. It's just ridiculous. So Jesus is ridiculous. I want to get it, I want you to understand this, people. 10,000, not 10, not 20, beyond the ability of anybody to ever pay back 10,000 bags of gold. And the king goes to his servant and says, pay up. You owe this to me. And the man basically begs and says, please, I can't pay it back. Give me some more time. Uh, forgive me. It's anything, please. Because in that day, they would know someone could be put in a debtor's prison and their whole family could be sold to pay back big debts in the Roman culture. And so the, the payment would be egregious payment of your entire family, maybe your own life. That's how serious it was. And so we're told, and, and the parable Jesus says, that the king, who's the only one that can, forgives the debt. He cancels it, is what the Bible, he cancels the debt. You owe me nothing. And the man walks away very happy, of course. His debt is canceled. But we're told, and again, Jesus would be very extreme here, he goes immediately to one of his fellow servants. Now, not one of his own servants, no, just someone like him. Someone exactly the way he is. Just one of the other many servants of the king. He goes right to him who owes him a debt and says, I want you to pay it back. Now, the debt wasn't 10,000 bags of gold. It was really a few handfuls of silver is what it was. Much less value. Something very doable, very payable, not very much at all. Just a little bit of silver. And the man says, I can't pay you back now. Give me a little bit of time and I'll get together. And he says, no. And he has him imprisoned until he pays back his debt. So you get what Jesus is doing. This debt that nobody can pay back, it's impossible to pay back, it's insurmountable debt. The king who has the right to forgive the debt cancels the debt. And this man goes to someone else, his fellow servant, one just like him, no different between you and me, few pieces of silver, and he will not forgive that. And he has him imprisoned. And then Jesus asked a question, what do you think the king is going to do to that servant who refuses to forgive the debt? When he canceled 10,000 10, 10, bags of gold debt, what do you think he's going to do? Re read that when you get a chance to see what the answer is. And again, it's simply Jesus teaching us about forgiveness and grace, who God is, who we are, and who we are to each other, and what it means to receive that kind of life. God forgives our debt with the price of a cross that's standing in the pool of the blood of God. That's the most clear description of the crucifixion that, we could po that I could possibly say took place for you and me, for all humanity, and the words are, sinners saved by grace, the gift of forgiveness. This parable comes from uh, a conversation between the apostle Peter and Jesus, and they're talking about forgiveness. Now, putting out that text, Matthew 18, 21, because Peter asked Jesus a question. Uh, that question is, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister? Now, the religious leaders of that day tried to figure out how forgiveness works. And forgiveness was part of the culture, the Jewish culture, before Jesus came. They discussed what it would be like. And they, they would say, well, we, we can forgive. We have to forgive seven times, no more than that. On the eighth time, give them what to do. Whatever, we'll give them what for. 
seven times. So Peter simply sang and repeating what he'd heard. Seven times, is that okay? Can I stop then and then do whatever I want to do at that point? And Jesus says no. He says instead, not seven times, but 77 times. Just keep right on, which means you don't ever stop. You keep forgiving. That's what I mean. And so, so Jesus shares this, and I've told this story before, but I think it's just, it's just so interesting to me that I want to share it again. Had a lady in a nursing home one time, I went by to see her, and she stopped me in the hallway, and she asked me uh, a question, and she asked me this. She said, how many times do I have to forgive someone who's, who's hurt me? Uh, and, and, and she said, is it just seven times? She read this, read this part of the Bible. And I says, no, Jesus said seven times, you know, 77 times is what he said. And her response was she got really kind of uh, downtrod, down about that. And I don't know exactly, remember exactly what she said, something like, oh, shoot, or something like that. It turns out her doctor had been kind of, she thought, mistreating her, and she'd forgiven him seven times. And the next visit, he was going to get it. Uh, and she was a very biblical person, so she realized, I can't ever, I'm not going to live long enough to be able to let my doctor have it. I have to keep forgiving him all the time, you know. And, you know, putting numbers on it is irrelevant. The idea is how much has, how much debt has God forgiven us? 10,000 bags of gold worth, an insurmountable debt that could never be paid back beyond our ability to ever, ever uh, give back. We can only hope God will cancel that debt, which he's done with the good news of his son, Jesus Christ, which we mark at Christmas in, in a beautiful way. God sent his son into the world to save us from our debt and to walk with us and to be with us and to love us and give us a, a good life and to bless us. All these things are part of that. In fact, we prayed that prayer this morning a little bit in the book of Matthew, where Matthew 6, 12, where it says, and forgive us our debts or trespasses, as we also forgive our debtors, Matthew 6, 12. And these words we pray in the Lord's Prayer pretty much every Sunday you come to church. Every time you come to church, you'll hear it almost every time. The Lord's Prayer, as you probably know, is simply a prayer that, that Jesus was asked by the disciples, teach us how to pray. Okay, here's how you pray. And the middle part of the prayer, forgive as I forgive. Jesus didn't, it was not an accident Jesus put those words in there. Saying, the standard to which you forgive is how I'll forgive you. Because I need you to do that for you. I need you to do that for people around you. I need you to do that for your family. I need you to do that to reflect my good news in you and the life of others. And so that needs to be done. You can't neglect this part of the Christian faith. So I'm going to connect the two together. As we forgive, as I forgive you, you forgive. As you forgive, I'll forgive you. It works together. It's, 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 it goes together in your faith. And so he's very clear on that. And that rides, of course, on the parable uh, that, he, that, he, that, he, that he told that I, that I went through. Well, the third one is this, and this is... Father, forgive me, they know not what they do. Luke 23, 34. And you might recognize those as words from the cross that Jesus prayed. Uh, there are many things he could have said on the cross, many words he could have said, but, instead, but he chose to say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. You know, he had been abandoned. He'd been rejected. Uh, he'd, been he'd been tried unfairly. Uh, un unjust time. And he said, I will be crucified by sinful men. This perfect God who's come to our world at Christmas time and lived his life and taught and worked miracles and blessed, did so many good, wonderful things, and then went to the cross to die there for our sins, that we have this beautiful sense that, and I forgive you. I just forgive you. And so we have these words of all the things Jesus could have done. This is what he chose to do. 
I forgive them. Uh, they know not what they do. Last week I said the church works because we bend the knee to Christ. And there's probably no more central, clear way to bend the knee to Christ and to reflect that in forgiveness. In fact, Jesus said, they'll know you are my disciples by the love you have for each other. That's how we are to live as a follower of Christ. And we have to learn to do that in our life as God simply forgives us. I remember uh, when I went to, I was in the Boy Scouts for a few years when I was living in Okinawa, Japan, a dev station there in the Air Force. Uh, and when I was about 13 years old, went on our first 10-mile hike, which is a very exciting time for Boy Scouts and anyone doing that type of thing. And so we got ready for it. And doing that hike, uh, most of our equipment was World War II Army surplus equipment there in Okinawa, as you might imagine. And so it was the, 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 the pack was canvas, which is pretty heavy compared to the packs we have today of nylon and really light packs. Uh, the, the, the sleeping bag was a heavy bag as well, and we also carried pup tents that were also canvas. Remember getting ready for that, tying everything all up together, rolling it all up, getting in this heavy, heavy pack and uh, trying to get out there and then hike. And first mile or two wasn't any problem at all. But as time went on, it got more and more difficult, as you might imagine, there in that, that humid, hot Okinawan sun. still remember this. And the pack began coming apart. And as time went on, I found myself dragging part of the sleeping bag, part of the pup tent, just dragging it behind me, holding some of it like this, dragging the rest. And dragging that behind me made that trip so difficult, uh, so, so unpleasant, so memorably unpleasant. I still think about it on occasion until I was finally able just to reach the destination and, and let it go and put it down. What a relief that is. When we fail to forgive other people, it's, it's really like that, if not more so like that. We're dragging something behind us. Behind us, When we don't forgive, we make ourselves less, we make the church less, we make our Christian faith less. Because the central component of Christianity is forgiveness. That God gives us, I cancel this ridiculous debt, you could never pay 10,000 bags of silver, I want you to simply forgive the handful of silver debts that, people, that you have against other people. doesn't say it's not a debt. It's not saying it doesn't exist. It's not saying we haven't been hurt or abandoned or damaged or offended by someone. not saying that at all. It's just cancel the debt is what we're being told to do. To eliminate the debt like God has done for you, central to, well, Christmas and how a baby changes everything. We sometimes forget that. Don't let these things go. I, had a, a, I have a friend still who's a pastor, and it uh, doesn't matter what his name was. It goes back a long, long time, so no one would know who this, this man is. No longer in this area either, so again, don't try to guess who he is. Uh, but I know in his early years, he had a, had a great issue with how he pastored churches. He served a church for quite a few years, eight or nine, ten years. And his, he had the inability, really, to really forgive people in his church family. Uh, and when you're a central person, you know, people can offend you sometimes, say something, not say something, do something, you know. And so he, he began not being able to forgive those in his own church family. Someone didn't go with what he wanted to do, he'd hold a grudge against that. Uh, someone said something he didn't like, it offended him. Uh, someone wasn't there when he thought they should be, uh, he resented that. Uh, someone opposed him, he especially resented that. And so as time went on, uh, he would isolate those people. That means if someone had hurt him, However he defined what that hurt was, 
However you understood that, is that one silver piece of silver worth, or is that a little whole bag of silver's worth, or is that three or four coins worth of silver uh, that they have a debt against me? It didn't matter what it was. He would make that definition for them. Often they didn't even know it. As time went on, uh, when he would come to church, there were all these people he wouldn't talk to, and he would avoid and not get around. As time went on, uh, it became so many in his church he couldn't remain there anymore. He had to leave. I've got too many people that he, he hadn't been unable to forgive. And he, and he damaged, in that sense, the very sense of what the gospel of Jesus Christ is about by doing that and living that way. And, and so sometimes we come to a place where we have to recognize that that is core to our own faith and we have to let that go. And so that means sometimes we have to, you have to, forgive a pastor. You have to let the debt go. Maybe the pastor owes you a legitimate, a legitimate debt. Maybe there was an offensive remark made. Maybe there was a time they didn't follow through on what they said that they would do. Maybe, and it might be me. It might be one of our other pastors. It might be a pastor in the past in another church. You know that we realize sometimes it might be that person who is a fellow servant with us who actually legitimately owes us a couple of pieces of silver. You know, and until we let that debt go, the church is less, you're less, we're all less. That has to happen. Whether it's me or another pastor to make a difference. It's how that it works. Uh, and, of course, pastors do the same thing in how we have to cancel the debt. And that's an ongoing living presence of Christ in a church community, a living presence of the good news of the cross and resurrection that brings the Holy Spirit into our church and also elevates that good news that goes into our world that's so remarkable we do the same thing for church members, our fellow church people, uh, whether it's the past or the present, someone you once knew or someone you know now, someone in another service, we have two services happening right now as we're having this service here, as online worship as well, uh, or it's someone sitting near you, then we have to say, I'm going to cancel that debt. I'm not telling you you have to forgive in the sense of that you walk away and you feel, okay, I feel, nice, I feel good now. You're canceling a debt. You're canceling a debt of owe that they owe you, or you feel they owe you, or they may legitimately owe you. Forgive a spouse. Sometimes it's a spouse we have now. Sometimes it's a spouse we used to have. To let that go, to cancel that debt, to not hold them accountable anymore, to longer hold a grudge, these things damage us. And, and the giving and receiving of grace in our life as central part of the church family. Every time we fail to forgive, hold grudges, harbor resentments, Hold on to hatred, foster blame, look for payback. We are dragging behind us what should be let go, and it keeps us from, from what Jesus called the abundant life of joy and peace and Christmas. To forgive a spouse or forgive a child or a parent, maybe living, maybe not. Forgive a brother or sister, maybe living or maybe not. A coworker a boss, or an employee. That's part of life, living that way. That's a Christian journey. And it is a concrete thing to do, to give that kind of gift. And, and I love that the Santa Claus story of the Twas the Night Before Christmas because you clearly see that right in that moment, uh, I, the identifiable central piece of Christmas celebrations and all the aspects of it was giving, just plain old giving. And it was undeserved giving, unpaid for giving, to simply generosity of soul because St. Nicholas did that, giving to the poor in Europe many years before, centuries before. 
That's, that's, that's what we're about then. And so the challenge is simply to forgive, to, to say, hey, people have people legitimately owe me. They're legitimate, they, they owe me a debt. What they said, what they did, what they didn't do. They owe me a debt. We're not, Jesus is not saying that there are no debts owed. There is. That we legitimately owe God a debt in our sin. The Bible so clearly defines that way. But he's canceled the debt. He said, there's no debt. It's gone. I give you this kind of grace. You belong to me. I'm your Savior. My God is your Father. And we have that picture. And he essentially says, just do the same thing. Just do the same thing. Will you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, we thank you today for all you give us in life. And God, God, you know the debt that we have. Since we've committed the days we fell far short of your expectation and even our own, the, the times we heard that all about our life, God, that may not be what we had hoped it would be or become or might have been or should have been. We know who we are, Heavenly Father. You're, we're your servants. And we thank you as our King, as our God, for canceling the debt completely. For setting us free to be your children. For saving our souls by your own cross. For walking with us day by day, God, because you love us and we are yours. God, that's a good part of our life, Lord. We celebrate it so. Especially this Christmas week we do. But God, you know how we are. We have a hard time, Lord, with the debts owed us. That person that we resent, they should have, they shouldn't have. Uh, that person that we harbor a grudge against, if they had or if they hadn't. That person in our life or our family that difficult for us to deal with. Those relationships in church, maybe a pastor, maybe, maybe someone we thought should do better than that or be better than that or say better than that, Lord. Maybe someone writing near us right now in church, they may not even know that. We hold a debt, if they hold a debt against us, we've not asked them to pay it yet. But God, you know us well, and so we simply say, God, by the very freedom you give us in Christ, we just together cancel that debt. We say in our hearts to that spouse, we forgive you. In our hearts that spouse that hurt us, it is no longer married to us. We say, God, we forgive them. That parent that may be long gone from this earth, already dead, that hurt us, we, God, we forgive them. For that parent who may still be doing that, we forgive them. For that child who disappointed us, hurt us, God, we forgive that child. That brother, that sister, Lord, that pastor, we simply, God, cancel the debt as you canceled it for us. And God, may this be the Christmas gift you give us today. And we give you, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.